blessed to be here tonight. Does everybody know where Lake Milton is? I did some of you probably came over to the uh, event that we had about a year ago with Brother Sam Davidson. Um, but we had a Saturday night event and then Sunday morning. But that's our home church, Lake Milton Baptist Temple. Uh, again, my name's our daughter Taylor and then our son Ryan. And uh, people look at our ministry like, what is a hunting ministry? Uh, I want to stand up here and tell you we travel all over the country and hunt and fish and just do God's work. But no, that's not quite how it is. We hunt. We hunt for eternity and we fish for souls. Uh, I'm, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I've enjoyed it since the time I was a kid. In fact, I spent eight and a half years working for the Department of Natural Resources as a state watercraft officer down on the Ohio River. Um, covered about four or five counties down in that area. And uh, just through the course of all that, God really began to put a burden on my heart. Uh, that, man, there's people right under our noses every day that are dying and going to hell. And they need Jesus Christ. Uh, I was saved in about 1992. It was a Tuesday night revival meeting. God had been dealing with my heart about the matter of salvation. And I remember the teacher asked all of us to write a paper about how we got saved. And man, I didn't have a paper to turn in. I really was not sure that time. I could remember laying in bed late at night saying, Lord, save me, Lord, save me. Uh, but never come to that true understanding of repentance and faith in Christ. And it was through that um, the, the teacher asked us to write this paper. I, I don't turn a paper in. A young lady got up. She begins to read her paper to the class like two weeks later. And uh, she begins to tell everybody how she thought she was always saved because she was born into a Christian family in a Christian home. And she went to the teacher and said, I don't know what to write. What's this paper about? Teacher took a Bible, showed her how Christ died for her sins and that she had to make that personal decision. And as she gets to the end of reading this paper, she begins to weep, just very, just very happy, very emotional about how she was saved through that assignment. And I knew that Darren Barnett was going to die and go to hell when class ended that day. I knew that I had never been saved. Uh, the Lord continued to draw me. Uh, it was the next week we were in a Tuesday night revival meeting. And as the evangelist called for uh, an altar call, I looked at mom and said, Mom, I've never been saved. She said, do you want to go forward to the altar? And I said, man, I was a shy kid. Just afraid of everybody. Uh, just grew up in a very small, small school. And uh, I went over to the public school in 11th, 10th and 11th grade and never really had many friends. I was just very shy, very quiet. So I didn't go to the altar that night. Uh, but we got in the car and we drove home. And I was still just fighting deep conviction, knowing I needed to be saved. And I sit down there on the steps and called upon Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Uh, I, I had a, a pastor one time tell me, you need to go to Bible college at a younger age, about 17, 18 years old. And um, I chose to go to natural resources, ran from God for a long time. Uh, but around age 24, I finally began to get back in church and get my heart right and just seek God for what he wanted for my life. And, you know, it's just crazy. Uh, running from God for many years, uh, the Lord gave me a ministry that was just something so dear on my heart. I'm not always the greatest at talking to everybody. But, man, if they're wearing a camouflage hat. Uh, today we were at Cracker Barrel and a guy come walking by and I, could, I seen a fish hook on his hat. Bam, he needs a fishing track. I mean, you, you get out in the outdoors. I love to talk to people, love working with people. Uh, but I most importantly love to tell people about Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll let you see the video right here, and then I'll just give you a testimony or two here before we get into the message. So, so hopefully that paints a little bit of a picture to you, just kind of our venue, because a lot of people think, man, what exactly is a hunting ministry? It's just basic evangelism, day by day, uh, trying to connect with hunters and fishermen. I could take you back uh, right around the end of October, or end of December, I'm sorry, we had an extended two-day gun weekend. And uh, I was actually planning on hunting that morning. A lot of times on opening days and big hunting days, um, I don't really go to the field to hunt. I go out and hit back roads, parking lots, just trying to find hunters that I can share the gospel with. Um, the extended weekend, I've had, I've had years where you don't really bump into a whole lot. And I was kind of set to go hunting that morning. I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, um, not today, Darren, not today. And so after I fought with the Lord a little bit about it that morning, I said, okay, Lord, I'll go down to a hunting area somewhere. And as it got daylight, I, I got out and I didn't get far. And I seen six hunters walking across the field, got out, was able to give them some tracks, went on to the next area, had two young men. Uh, it was their first year hunting. Um, they were, didn't know much about the law. I tried to educate them on some things. They had some mishaps before the, the, during the week-long gun season. They just didn't know a whole lot. Uh, but as I got to talking to them more about hunting and different things, the uh, Lord opened a door, and I was able to give them both the gospel very clearly. Uh, right there in the parking lot, both of uh, those young men, um, they bowed their head and, and called upon the Lord to be their Savior. 
uh, from there, uh, I found out they lived really close to Cleveland Baptist Church. And so I got right in touch with um, uh, Brother Blankenship there, and he's been following up with them. The one young man, uh, I kind of follow, they were brothers. The one young man kind of uh, witnessed to him again a second time. Just I don't know that he truly accepted Christ, still trying to get the root and the bearing. I know his brother, man, his brother was just sound and solid, he seemed about it. Um, but Brother Blankenship just texted me like two days ago and said that this young man came to church uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, this past week, Wednesday night. I had the opportunity to be up there about two or three weeks ago and met with Brother Blankenship, and we invited him to come to church. He didn't make it that morning, but we went out to lunch with him right after the service. Um, so that kind of just gives you an idea of our ministry. We're all about the local New Testament church. Uh, I'm not looking for people to follow us and for me to, to lord over anybody. Our focus is to bring these folks to Christ. And then, you know, if I'm in this area, I'm going to help them get plugged into Brother Shane Rice here to where he can uh, get them into the church and begin the disciple process and just really get that, that foundation. So we're all about the local New Testament church. Um, one of the big things, you know, we are coming up with our, this will be our third turkey shoot that we're going to have, changing a few things up. Uh, coming here at the end of May, uh, we had about 100, 100 visitors come out last year to that event. And uh, that's just from putting out flyers, inv invitations, uh, such a great opportunity to share the gospel. Um, the Lord has blessed us, just, I, just presenting tonight, I just let you know some of the needs and some of the things that we're looking to for the future. But God has blessed us with a 25-foot enclosed trailer. Uh, right after He gave us the trailer, it was a little bit older trailer, um, He gave us uh, a great love offering that covered the cost, and we pretty much rebuilt the trailer from the ground up. It's pretty much brand new, and it's sitting in a barn waiting to be used. Um, the, right after we got the trailer, somebody in New York donated us a bunch of high-powered pellet rifles. We've had some men's shoots with those already. Uh, we have some more rifles coming, but in the process we're looking to uh, set up some archery targets, uh, 3D targets, where we can just really bring a lot to local churches. Um, our biggest need is being able to pull that trailer. We had a half-ton Suburban uh, back in July. We lost the transmission to it and ended up selling it because it just wasn't worth putting more into it. But we've been praying and just seeking the Lord. Uh, we need a good ministry vehicle. Um, if you know of a good three-quarter ton, six-liter, whether Suburban or pickup truck for a good price, uh, we're just seeking the Lord right now. It's going to be a daily ministry for us when we're headed out of town for a few days or doing an event, uh, but even most specifically to pull that trailer as we come and help churches doing these shoots. I'm, I'm already scheduling stuff for the summer with different types of shoots, turkey shoots, pellet rifle, and Lord willing, we're going to get the archery stuff going here soon. So those are just some things kind of with our ministry that we're coming in. We're trying to help local churches to have these events so you can connect with hunters and fishermen in your local areas. Um, it's such a blessing. The Lord, um, the Lord blessed us uh, with two different custom gospel tracks. Uh, I had a gentleman down in Cincinnati when I uh, used to live down there. He did the colored pencil drawing of the deer. Uh, a gentleman in our church just recently with the fishing track finished. We got our first 20,000 printed right at the end of uh, let's see, July. And 20,000, and we're like almost out of tracks already. Uh, we, uh, this past week or the week before, I just ordered 15,000 more tracks. Puts us at about 155,000 tracks we've been able to print. Uh, I've had two orders that I've had to ship out just this past week. Uh, church come across our website down in Georgia. They asked for 500 tracks for one of their events. So as God provides, we cover the cost in printing, cover the cost in shipping. Uh, the Lord's not giving me any leading to charge people for those. He continues to provide for that. So we're at about 100, like I said, 155,000 tracks we've printed. We're excited for the future and everything God, God's going to do. We're seeking God even to write more tracks and have things more custom, pheasant hunters and maybe turkey hunters. Uh, so it's, it's amazing. I've, I've given tracks to turkey hunters like this, and they're not deer hunters, and they kind of look at it, and sometimes they'll hand it back to me. But, you know, man, if I had a pheasant track at a pheasant event, there are so many different events around the country. Uh, large hunting shows drawing in thousands and thousands of people. Uh, might be a local bow shoot. Uh, might be just hitting the boat ramp. Uh, you guys got some lakes around here, I'm sure. Man, you just go down to the boat ramp with them fishing tracks, and God opens huge doors to share the gospel. So that's just a little bit about six-day outdoor ministry. I'll be at my table back there after the service, so please come by if you have any questions at all. I do write sportsman devotionals and then our prayer letter. I've got a sign-up sheet back there, so I'd invite you. Um, if you. If you like those by email, you can sign up. 
But if you like some of our tracks, they're here for you. I've got plenty of them with me, so if you want to grab as many as you want to give out. we got some John and Romans back there as well that are custom to outdoors. got two big bucks fighting on the front cover, and uh, those go really well. We don't see a whole lot of people throw the tracks away. It just has that, that kick to it that they like it, they put it in their pocket. I mean, I could go on with testimony after testimony of people in this state and different states where they've come across that track somewhere, and they're still holding on to it. It's just something that's called, grabbed a hold of them. And uh, so we're excited about just what God's doing with Six Day Outdoor Ministry. We do appreciate your prayers. And again, Pastor, I thank you so much for the opportunity just to, to be here and be able to preach tonight, to present our work. It, it's a great honor. Can I invite you tonight to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Uh, I will say this is, a, this is a passage of Scripture. This is a message that's... Very dear on my heart, many times I need it a lot. We're going to be talking a little bit about fear. Uh, man, the devil, there's so many things he does to us to hold us back. I know being a shy kid growing up, I was always afraid. I was afraid of what people thought of me. I was afraid of not being able to be the Christian God wanted me to be. I uh, went down a, a wrong road for some time, but man, fear, how often is it? Fear uh, keeps us from the great things God has for us. Um, if you found your place there in Joshua chapter 1, could I invite you tonight to stand out of respect for reading God's Word? We're just going to read the first nine verses there in Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I have underlined in my Bible three little words right there in verse 9. If you look with me again, right about in the middle of the verse, these three little words, the Bible says, Be not afraid. It's amazing. God's talking to Joshua, a valiant leader. Hey, if God's telling Joshua, hey, you got to trust me here, Joshua. Hey, don't be afraid. I believe that we all can apply this to our life in some way when it comes to the work and the call of God for our lives. Uh, please join me for prayer tonight as we get into the message. Lord, we love you tonight. And Lord, it is a privilege, Lord, to be behind the pulpit and preach the word of God tonight. Lord, we lift your name on high because your name is worthy to be praised. And Lord, I ask for your spirit to work and move in this place, Lord, in a mighty way. Lord, speak to our hearts. Show us uh, the areas in our life that we need to fix to where we can be closer to you. Show us how to be more bold for the gospel witness, Lord, and those around us day by day. God of heaven, Lord, I pray tonight for a hedge that you'd put about this place. First, Lord, put a hedge about our minds. Lord, help us not to be distracted with things that we're going to do tonight after church. Help us not to be distracted about the things that we're going to do this week, Lord, or work, or whatever it might be. Please put, us, put that hedge about us that there's no distractions. Lord, even physically tonight in this room, I pray that you would just bind Satan and drive him far from this place. That God will hear from heaven tonight. Lord, I'm such a prideful man, Lord, unworthy to stand here on the pulpit. And God, I ask you tonight to help me to just be hidden behind the cross. May the Holy Spirit speak everything that needs to be said tonight. May we walk away tonight with great encouragement and just great hope, knowing that, Lord, you're there with us through all things. 
We love you tonight. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated tonight. We look at this word afraid. It means impressed with fear or apprehension. Fearful. We could look at this word apprehension. It means the prospect of future evil accompanied with uneasiness of mind. Have you ever been there? Uh, Something arises in your life and there's something that you know how to do. But fear creeps in and you're not sure what to say. You're not sure the outcome of something. And how often is it that we, we don't respond and we don't react the way that we could if we would simply just trust in God's leading for our life? Uh, I mentioned before I spent eight and a half years as a state watercraft officer down in uh, southern Ohio. I lived east of Cincinnati, covered about four or five counties and Man, what a day it was. I remember when I got the call, uh, Darren, do you want to receive the position for the East Fork Field Office as a state watercraft officer? Man, I was excited. God opened a huge door. It was amazing. Now, as a state watercraft officer, we are commissioned police officers. So you have to go through the basic police officer academy, additional to watercraft training, because the things you learn in academy are a little bit different than your days. You know, we weren't sitting on the side of the road clocking people or domestic violent call, domestic violence type calls. Um, not that we would never respond to that, but we were boat law. We were search and rescue. And I remember sitting there that morning at the table, uh, the troopers come in. We went through the State Highway Patrol Basic Police Academy. And so troopers were the ones training us for 18 weeks. And man, I remember sitting at the table that first day, man, they're yelling and screaming. And we're running like just ants, just not knowing where we're going. You ever like blow up an ant pile and they just run everywhere? That's kind of what it felt like that morning. But I remember as we sit there at the table, I, I looked over. There were 60 people in our academy that morning. 27 of us were going on to be with the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, the other uh, remaining numbers were going to different departments all throughout the state of Ohio. But I noticed that morning as I look and see the guy sitting next to me, he's got the same color patch on that I have. It was blue, said watercraft officer. Uh, not only... Not only was he going into the same department as me, but I come to find out out of the three positions down in the Cincinnati area, I was one of three. He was two of three. He was going to the same office. Never seen this guy before in my life. But you know what's amazing? We go through 18 weeks, man, all kinds of different training, firearms. It just it was intense. And that day came. We all finished the course. They called us up to the stage. Man, it was a big day. The governor's office was there. They were giving us our commission. Man, it was a huge day. Man, we were all dressed in our uniforms, had our hats on. I mean, we were sharp. The gymnasium was packed out with all of our family and friends coming. And, uh, you know, my last name's Barnett, so alphabetically B, I was, I was the first one to go up across the stage. Not the first, probably the second or third, but they call my name up. And, man, I walk across the stage and I receive my certificate. Uh, he, he started with a G. He was a little bit behind me. And as he comes behind me, guess what he got? He got the same certificate that I received. Uh, but you see, it didn't just stop right there. We uh, went into six more weeks of watercraft training. We stayed at the facility and we began to go to waterways and uh, different lakes there in the Columbus area. And after that six weeks, man, the department, one thing that they enjoyed to do was um, it was like just a reward to us. But they pinned our nice shiny badges on our uniform. We walked across the stage. Of course, I start with a B, so I'm about the first one across now at this point because all the other officers were gone. And I get up there and I get my certificate and they pin the badge on me. And guess who comes right behind me? The guy with the G, the guy sitting right next to me. But can I tell you, it didn't just stop there. Now the next year, the next two years, we're going all over the state of Ohio, sometimes out of state, learning how to teach boating classes, learning how to do search and rescue. Crazy stuff. Life and death. Has anyone ever been to Dillon Falls here around Zanesville? Everybody heard of Dillon Falls? Class 3 Rapids. Man, we would get together as a team and you would be looking from the side of the river thinking there's no possible way we're swimming in that. But we were. And we'd have to learn how to work together, man. We'd get in this V formation and we would go up above them rapids. And I mean, sometimes people would miss the daisy chain. We would chain together and try to catch the next swimmer coming by. We had to learn how to read the river as we're going from one shelf to the next. And sometimes people would miss the chain and you'd see their little helmet slide out and boop, it's gone. It disappeared because they're running through class three rapids. You'd see them way down river before they wash out. 
But, but not just there, you got lowhead dams. I don't know if you're familiar with lowhead dams or not, but they're the most dangerous item that you could possibly see on a river. The reason for that is, is because it has a recirculating current. Basically, all that water falls off the face of a dam, and there's no outlet for that water to go, so there's just a constant backspin right back to the face of the dam. And when you get caught in that, you, you're going to need the grace of God to get you out of something like that. Most people die in those types of situations. And so you got the boil line. The boil line is where the river begins to flow downriver, and then that recirculating current goes. It's all aerated water. And we would take the nose of our rescue boats right up to that boil line and do different rescue sequence. We did this for like two weeks. I mean, life and death. Your heart would jump out of your chest. You can't hear nothing because the, the rush of the water falling off that dam was so loud. Uh, the local flood control lakes would release water for us, and so it was, I mean, it was cranking. And we got through the two weeks, and guess what I did? I passed my test, and I received my certificate. Guess who came right after I did? Right here he is, right next to me. He got the same certificate that I did. In fact, he was such a smart guy, he excelled in most every test that we ever took. He was at that high percentage, you know. If it's the first time I don't understand this stuff, I'm like a 75% kind of guy. He's like 9,500%. He's ace in tests. He's very sharp, very brilliant. Well, we're like five years into the job now. We've been working side by side for some time. Uh, down in East Fork there, we had record rainfall. They had shut the gates to East Fork State Park. It was a flood control lake. Basically, the Ohio River will flood out in the spring. It'll get into Cincinnati, but a lot of small towns along the river, those flood control lakes help hold the water back so the Ohio River doesn't rise too much and wash out these small towns. Well, our lake where we're at, the gates are shut. There's no water coming out. Record rainfall. The water's about to come over the spillway. Nobody's fishing. Nobody's in the spring. People are ready to get out. But the water, it's so much. All the ramps are shut down. You cannot. We were the only ones getting on the water with our little John boats because everything was shut down in the park. But can I tell you, as that Ohio River began to level off that spring, it was time to open the gates. There's a lot of water that has to be dropped. We've got to get boaters. We've got to get the park rolling for the spring. And I'm telling you, they opened the gates wide open. I was the last officer on shift that day, and as I uh, roll into the office, some radio traffic come in, and they said that we've got a situation. Uh, the local fire department did not have the, the training and the motors and the ability to help somebody that was in great trouble. They were below, below the dam in this very violent, violent river. This river's moving faster and harder than anything I've ever trained in before. And I remember as I, I got to the, I was right there about the office. Like I said, I was ready to go home. I still remember it being a rainy night. And I got there. Another officer heard the traffic. He said, I, I just heard the traffic before I shut my radio off. He said, I'm en route to the office. I get our rescue gear hooked up. It's lights and sirens. And man, we're rolling. We, we find a staging location to where a lot of the rescue guys are, but uh, there's no way we can go in from where they're at. So we move on down river. We got to come in by road. We've got a long ways to go. We don't know exactly where he's at. But as we pull into our staging location, we begin to pull all the equipment out. And you'll never guess who the third guy was that showed up that day. Right here. I still remember it very clearly. He gets out of his car. He looks at the river and he looks right at me. And he says, I'm not going today. Fear creeped a hold of him that quickly. And he said, no, he said, this is what he said, I'm going to be shore-based rescue. I'm going to take care of the trailer. I'm going to make sure everybody's got their equipment. I'm going to have my throw bag. Basically, a throw bag's got a, a long rope in it, and it's a bag. You hold onto the rope with one, and so if someone's floating down the river, you can throw that bag to them, and they get a hold of it, and you pull them in. He's, he's just, I'm going to be shore-based. But here's an issue. We've got people en route from all over, just where we live. Some guys lived an hour from the office. We got officers coming in from every direction. We got three officers that are rookies. They've not been certified. They do not have the capability and the certification to get on that river to do this rescue. But he was very well certified. That's exactly how we live in our Christian walk, isn't it, church? You see, here, he chose the bank. He thought the bank was a better place of safety for himself. But yet, he's certified, and somebody's in trouble, and somebody needs help. Can I ask you tonight, spiritually, where are you at in your Christian life? How often is it that we are certified, 
Do you have a testimony tonight? Can you go to that time? Can you go to that place that Jesus Christ saved you and changed your life? We think that soul winning is so hard, but yet we look at the Bible and the Apostle Paul just time and time again, he says, you know, I was on the road to Damascus. and The Lord met me there. It changed my life. He used his own personal testimony, and I'm afraid in our independent Baptist churches around the country, we have so many that sit in church, and they don't have a testimony to tell somebody how they got saved because it's never been real. Tonight, can I ask you, uh, just between you and God tonight, can you go to that place that you truly trusted Christ as your Savior, and you walked away changed? You walked away with new life. I went into just a dark time for a while in my life, tried to live life Darren's way. But can I tell you one thing I could never get away from? When I was about nine years old, Jesus Christ saved me and changed me, and the rest of the world needs to know this. But because of fear, I was quiet. Because of fear, I brought some things into my life that was unnecessary. And how often is it, uh, we look here at the life of the children of Israel in Joshua, of course... Of course, they're starting to cross the Jordan River. But back up with me here just a moment as we see the kind of the outcome of, of the nation of Israel. Go with me to Numbers 13 real quick. Numbers chapter 13. Everybody all right tonight? Amen. Amen. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, there in verse 32, uh, basically this is their first adventure. They're coming in to see the promised land. They send in, send in 12 spies, and now these 12 spies have come from Canaan land, and they're giving word back to Moses. And the Bible says, And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Look at verse 14, chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. You know what every one of us here need tonight to get through the battle, to get through the journey? We need the word of God. In Joshua chapter 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Joshua. Can I ask you tonight, have you been reading your Bible? Have you been living in the word of God the way a Christian ought to live? You think of that relationship with a husband and wife. Hey, what's the most healthiest relationship you could have? It's time together, right? It's learning to listen to each other. It's being together. But how often is it we don't spend any time with God knowing that that's what it takes to have a healthy relationship? You see, it was the Word of God that gave them direction. He said, I'm going to give you a land like you've never imagined before. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. How often is it that it's man that causes us to live in fear? We're so afraid of what people think about us, aren't we? We're afraid what they might think if we give a gospel track, or we might share the gospel, or we might go to church on Sunday night. And because of that fear, we choose to stand on a bank in our Christian walk. Very well capable. Tonight, if you're saved, you're capable to win other people to Jesus Christ. I don't know, maybe you're not rooted in the Romans road or rooted in the Scripture like you should. Hey, on your way out the door tonight, why don't you get some gospel tracts, get two or three of them on the way out the door, get some of ours, and just start tonight before you go to bed. Hey, tomorrow morning and tomorrow night, why don't you just start familiarizing yourselves with the Word of God that way tomorrow in the workplace or this week when you're in a strange place that God puts you in and there's a lost sinner standing next to you, you can let the Holy Spirit lead you to those scriptures. And you can show somebody how to be saved. Can I ask you this past week, have you passed out one gospel track? Can I ask you this past week, have you taken a Bible and showed one person from the Bible how they can know Jesus Christ personally as their Savior? 
You know how, you know, often in my life sometimes, you know, I have to say, man, I'm on a bank. I've got to get off the bank. That's not a happy place. The children of Israel, they chose that bank in their life for a long time. And guess what happened? They wandered 40 years in the wilderness. You already knew that. But guess what? They never saw God's promise. That entire generation, they listened to 10 spies. They said, oh, we're in, in, uh, in our sights. We're like grasshoppers. And they chose to follow men. Joshua and Caleb's like, nope, God said, God's word said that this is our land, but they chose to follow the ten. Hey, we've got to lose our fear of man tonight. People are dying and going to hell. Sometimes it's easy in missions, it's easier to put that money in the offering plate or give that faith promise so other people would do it. Hey, if you're saved tonight, God's called you to a mission field. I wonder tonight, are you being faithful? Again, I wonder tonight how your study in the Word of God has been. Hey, church, can I encourage you tonight? Get off the bank. It's not a place to be. Again, the Bible says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I mentioned it just a moment ago about the uh, a pastor. I remember sitting down in a pastor's office around 18 years old or so, going through a lot. I might have been closer to 20. In conviction about my sin, not living the way I ought to, I sit down in the, in the pastor's office and just poured my heart out to him. I was Everything going on. And he said, Darren, you need to go to Bible college for one year and find out what God has for your life. Man, that scared me. I, I can't be that, Lord. And so I went my way. Now, I'm thankful for Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. Hey, maybe today we're on a bank. Maybe today we're in a place in our life that we should not be. But can I tell you, God can still take it and God can still use it. Don't let your time run out. Because Israel never got to see the big things of God. I remember a little bit after the pastor had told me that, uh, a cousin that was in the church, he come to me and he's like, man, you know what pastor so-and-so said about you? And I'm like, what? And he's like, he thinks you're going to be a pastor. Er, well, no, who, me? No, no, I don't think so. And because of fear, I just kept taking another step more and more and more into the world. I wonder tonight, church, I know you're in church tonight, but I wonder, are you on a bank? Spiritually, what are you doing for Jesus Christ? Hey, tonight I'm here to just encourage you. Hey, we can get off the bank. God knows where we're at. God knows what we need in our life. First and foremost, we need prayer, and we need the Word of God to help take those steps and just simply trust Him. Maybe it's not the bank tonight. Secondly, tonight maybe you're on the boat. You see, it was the boat. I remember we had this uh, 10, 12-foot uh, rubber raft. When it's inflated, um, basically there's these aluminum floor plates. When it's deflated, you can like roll the boat up. So the, the rectangular floor plates in the bottom of this airboat, um, it's unstable. It, it needs stability. It needs locked together. So there's two big, long, five-foot rods that lock into the floor of this boat. It gives you stability. We get on the water. Man, I got a big engine behind me. I got the senior officer. He's riding up front. And now we're trucking up the river. And I'm talking, it's dangerous. This ain't training. I'm looking at debris as we're dry, going up the river thinking, man, this, is, this ain't going to be good if something happens. It's dangerous. And I remember we're a good ways up, uh, getting up the river, still not sure where this young man's at. And we come around the bend and man, the current began to hit us like you wouldn't believe the rapids were just, it was a hard rapid that we were in. And we're trying to motor through this thing. And I can just feel the whole boat, it's bouncing. You can feel the entire boat just slamming every time it would come up and come back down. About the fifth time it did that, both of those rods together snapped out of the boat. So now you got me, all my gear. You got a 150 plus pound motor right behind me. You got the lead officer up front, all of his gear. We got all of our heavy rescue gear on. And that boat begins to fold up like an accordion. And I remember turning around and looking behind me and seeing this just dangerous current wrap around the bank. And I thought, we're dead. This is it. There's no way we're going to get out of this. Thankfully, God's hand was on us that day. Somehow we got out of the center of the river there and we pulled the boat right back up on the bank. Hey, we needed breath right there. You know, spiritually, sometimes that's what life is like. Man, we're trying to serve God. We're trying to do right. We're trying to soul win. And the devil slams us with depression. And the devil slams us with discouragement. And the devil tries to bring all these storms into our life. So we'll simply stop. Can I ask you tonight who's in your boat? 
Who is it that you're going to for help? How often is it we don't have the right people in our life and the devil begins to, to butt heads with us and we don't get the encouragement that we need? And then we say, it's so much more comfortable. Man, this is dangerous. We're going to die. We have to stop here. And I'm afraid there's many, many Christians spiritually that they hit that phase in their life. Man, there's been a heyday, been soul winning, been preaching. The Spirit of God moved upon your life, but you hit that bank. You hit that current a little bit too hard. Maybe you didn't go to the right person for encouragement. It's amazing. I was ready to be done. Without hesitation, that lead officer, he gets both of the rods and he locks them right back in the boat. And he said, we're, we're good. We got to go. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's somebody still dying. There's somebody still waiting for us to show up. Hey, can I tell you, church family, tonight there are people that are still dying. There's people that are still in your life. And if you let fear and you let the devil hold you up because of circumstances in your life, hey, let's just let them die and go to hell then. No, we've got to stay faithful. We've got to trust God. Sometimes that bank, yes, it's just time. Just get your breath. But get back focused on what God's called us to do. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hands to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Church, don't look back. So many times the devil wants to say, Man, remember that life back there you had? Remember how easy things were and you didn't have to deal with all this stuff? And we look back to what it was like before we used to witness and before we used to soul win and before we was in the boat for Jesus Christ. Why does God put us in these places? Some of us are here tonight and we think, does God even know what's going on in my life? Yet, can I tell you, God knows exactly what's going on in your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for everything He wants to accomplish through you. And here's the thing, He's not looking for you to have the glory. He's looking for Him to have the glory. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. But get what verse 21 says. It's not about you and it's not about me. Unto Him be glory in the church. It's about His glory. Church, keep with it. Keep moving forward. Look with me here in Matthew chapter 14 real quick. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. The Bible says here in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, maybe tonight you're in, a, you're in a storm, you're in a circumstance, you're trying to get out. Hey, Christ knows right where you're at. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship. Now look at that word constrained for a minute, church. This word constrained, it means he urged powerfully or he forced them. Jesus Christ, he's put them on the ship. They've just done amazing things. Uh, feeding of the, I believe the 5,000 there. There's a great miracle that was done. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now tossed in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Look at 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Do you know why the disciples were in this storm? Because that's where Jesus Christ put them. He constrained His disciples to get in the ship. Hey, Christ knows right where you're at tonight. But how often is it fear, we doubt, Lord, am I really doing the right thing? Lord, am I really in the right ministry? Lord, am I really supposed to be doing this? He knows exactly where you're at because He's put you there. Notice how quickly things unfold here. They, they have this ease. Look, be of good cheer in His eye. He still said He'll never leave us or forsake us. He is with us tonight, church. But in 28 He says, And Peter answered Him and said, Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come unto Thee on the water. And He said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. 
And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. You know, the storm's not going to last forever, but how sad it is that he had to take Peter and he had to rebuke him for his lack of faith and for his fear. I wonder how your prayer life is tonight, church. I wonder the circumstances and the difficulties that you're facing when you call upon the Lord. Are you truly trusting in your circumstance tonight? He's put you there. Why doubt and why fear? Don't you want God to do big things through you? Hey, we've got to push this doubt and this fear out of our life. Do you know that next week or next month or next year, or maybe five or ten years from now, there's going to be some tougher storms? Did you know that in 10 years from now, some of the storms that you face are going to be a lot harder than the storms you're facing today? I remember on that very same stretch of river, this was like two years later, we get another call. I just walked in the door home from work. The river's moving, not quite like it was this one particular rescue, but the river's moving. Got a father and son, they're in trouble. I looked at my wife and said, sorry, honey, I got a rescue and I ran back out the door. My supervisor was still at work. He had already had the rescue trailer. We get there, same location, same river. Everything's identical. We get the boat out, and man, now we're trucking up the river, and I'm about halfway up to where these two boys, this, this father and the son, and I can hear my phone ringing on the inside of my dry suit. And you know what I thought? I thought, man, this is a dangerous river. we got to stop. No, no, that's not what I thought. I thought, is that my wife? I just told her I was going on a rescue. Surely that's not my wife calling me. Surely it's not. But that's kind of where my mindset was at. We got up, no big deal. Got these two, got them in the boat. Everything was fine. I get back to the staging location. I get my dry suit off. I pull out my phone. Missed call. Sure enough, it's my wife. And I'm like, I talked to her later. I'm like, why were you calling me? You knew I was doing it. She's like, well, I was sitting at home. The local helicopter news channel was doing a live feed right over top of our boat. And she saw two little yellow helmets in the boat. And she was calling to see if that was me and if I was okay. My mindset was in such a different place through that second, that second trial, that second difficulty, that second current that was tough. And I wasn't thinking, we got we to quit. No, I, we've been through this before. We can make it through this. Hey, God's just trying to strengthen some things in your life tonight, Christian. Will you please just trust Him? Do you believe that every word in this book is true tonight? Then why are we living in doubt? I speak for myself when I say that. Why do we fear? He said He'll never leave us or forsake us. We believe it, right? Well, let's stop living in the dumps. Hey, let's start telling people about Jesus Christ on a regular basis. Hey, let's start praying more diligently and more fervently for our family and our friends, for God to do a work in their life. For God to do even a work in our own life. Do you want revival tonight, church? I know I do. I want to be revived, and the only thing I can do is just trust the Lord and just keep moving forward. Hey, maybe you're t- tonight you're on the boat. Hey, stick with it. Keep moving forward. Church, as we come up around the bank here, well, we come around the bank. I remember seeing this young man. I mean, first we got the, we got the bank, and secondly, we have the boat. Uh, can you imagine what the last one's going to be? Man, he's got his, his the bark. This guy's standing on top of his folded kayak around a tree. He's hypothermic. He's got his arms wrapped around the bark of that tree just as hard as he can hold on, waiting for somebody just to show up. It was amazing. We come up around the bend and I began to look at the condition. There was a couple trees and debris. I'm, we're trying to just evaluate the situation. How are we going to get our boat up in that little cluster of trees? As we come by and observe things, I noticed on the right side of the river, there was uh, one of the local Cincinnati news crews set up running, running a feed there. I look off to my left and here we've got first responders and the sheriff deputies and uh, firefighters. And can I tell you something about them? They look good. Their shoes were shined. Their badges were shiny. Where were they at, church? They're on the bank. How often is it we come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, we carry the right Bible, and we put the right tie on, and man, we look so stinking sharp, don't we? But we won't tell one person about Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how good we look. Those people cannot help this guy. 
Go ye and do all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I remember being in a show down in uh, Charleston, West Virginia there. And the Lord opened a door. I was able to get into a booth with a friend that had an archery business. And in two days, I had the opportunity to put 4,500 pieces of gospel into people coming by the booth. Can I tell you, in two days, on one end of the table, I had set a John and Romans and some tracks. And I think out of the course of those two days, maybe three pieces of literature were picked up. That's crazy. 4,500. I, I had to get it in their hands. Hey, we have got to go to the world today and give them Jesus Christ. We, we, lifestyle is going to help, yes. But how often is it we think if I could just live right every day, they're going to come to me and then we're going to talk about Christ. That's not what God's commanded us to do. He's told us to go. But how often is it, man, we look like those first responders on the bank? It's crazy. I, we take the nose of the boat right up to the tree. And I'll bet, I know what you're all thinking right now. He didn't get on, did he? Do you think he got on? What kind of idiot wouldn't get on? I mean, he's like, where's my life jacket? No, he didn't ask that, but we put a life jacket on him. He was so happy to see us. Who knows? He was, he was at the beginning stage of hypothermia. The water temps were around 50 degrees. He's shivering, just waiting for somebody to show up. Can I tell you right now, there's people every day that's taking their life because they're empty here. And all they're waiting is for someone to knock on the door. All they're waiting is for somebody on the other side of the gas pump to say, Hey, can I leave a gospel track with you? Hey, can I tell you that there's a God, His name is Jesus Christ, and He died on the cross to save you from your sins. I remember hunting with my son there. One day, and we never seen a deer hunting in the morning, and uh, we got in the truck, and I'm like, let's go around and hit some of the public parking lots and see if we can find us a hunter. I'd been praying, Lord, I want to win somebody to you. I, I was as diligent, Lord, I really want to win somebody. And I remember we got down to this long driveway, and we were parked, and uh, this old man come by named Jerry Watson. His mother was a, a really, uh, I mean, just probably close to death, I think up in her late 90s, and um, he began to tell me about how, you know, all of his other siblings didn't really take care of her. He had just a little space. He was a hunter. We talked hunting a little bit, but he wasn't hunting that day. He was just coming down to the lake to get a little breath and just kind of get away from things. He was a little down at the, at the time. I began to talk to him about Jesus Christ. I gave him a gospel track. And, man, you could see the tears begin to beat up on the side of his eyeball. He, he talked about how he probably was saved when he was young, but he had an accident and he didn't really remember. And I'm like, well, if you don't remember, you should probably really consider this. And more tears began to fall as he stood in that gravel parking lot and bowed his head and called upon Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. We got in the truck, I remember, and uh, he was very thankful. Oh, man, thank you so much. I said, no, thank you. I said, you, you're an answer to prayer. We got in the truck and we began to drive down this old road. And I looked over and I could see my son. He was a little bit emotional. I was a little bit emotional. It was just sweet. The presence of God was there. It was awesome. I remember thinking, I wonder why he came to the park today. You know how many times that I come to the park and the park officers were up all night because somebody pulled into a parking lot and took a gun and put it in their mouth and squeezed the trigger? It happened all the time. In fact, one time I was on the Ohio River and... The river was up. It was muddy water. Not many pleasure boats out that day. And we're heading upriver. And we saw a pleasure boat behind us. And as we turn around and look, you know, we're watching him because he's the only boat. You know, what's this guy going to do wrong? We've got to stop him, you know. But all of a sudden, we notice the boat's changed its direction. And he's turned and he's going over to the Kentucky side of the Ohio River. And we're kind of like, that was weird. And just a moment later, all of a sudden, Cincinnati Fire Department and Covington Fire Department on the Kentucky side, they begin to blow up the radio. And we're like, what's going on? Finally, we got in between their traffic, and we're like, we're right here on the river. What's going on? They said a guy just jumped off the bridge. He literally was on the bridge and watched our patrol boat drive by, and he jumped for his life. You see, at that distance, jumping off, he wasn't just jumping to go for a swim. That water's like concrete at that distance. And every weekend that, that's happening down in Cincinnati, even right now, people are still taking their life because there's nothing here. Hey, I know it's hard. Sometimes people slam doors in our face and sometimes people are hateful and mean. But can I tell you, there's days when you put the nose of the boat right on the tree and people are excited to see you. 
I wonder tonight, church, where are you at? Spiritually, are you on the bank? Hey, can I encourage you? Get off the bank. Hey, just keep moving forward. Hey, are you on the boat? Hey, trust God in the place in your life right now. He knows where you're at. Just stay on that boat and keep moving forward. But I don't know, tonight, maybe you're on the bark. Maybe you don't have a testimony to share with others. And can I tell you tonight that Jesus Christ died for you, but he's not going to make you go to heaven. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Won't you trust him as your savior if you've never made that real in your heart? It's a matter of realizing the sinner that you are and turning to God in faith and putting all your faith and trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hey, get off the bark. Hell is forever. And the rich man died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. Hey, that place is for Satan and his fallen angels. It's not for us. But the choice is yours. I'd encourage you tonight. I don't know where you're at. You're in one of these three places. And I just want to encourage you. Hey, take a step towards the Lord and do whatever you need to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you tonight. Lord God, uh, help us to just respond in our hearts the way you've dealt with us. Lord, help me in my own life to be a better soul winner, be more diligent about the things of eternity. Help us all tonight to stay on the boat. Lord, I know it's a Sunday night crowd, and Lord, truth is, a lot of us, we desire to be on the boat. We're trying to move forward for you. I just pray that you'd help us. Thank you for the church and the work we're doing here. Lord, be at the invitation. In Jesus' name. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and as the piano begins to play, maybe God's spoken to your heart. A good illustration was given tonight, a great message, very clear. Are we standing on the bank? Are we actively in the boat? Maybe you're that guy that's hanging onto that tree and needs salvation. If you're here and you're not saved, boy, I encourage you, don't put it off. Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I'm not for sure if I'm saved. Why don't you come forward? Just let me know and, and we'll have somebody take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. For those of us that are saved... get all the training you get all the certification sometimes it's just comfortable on the shore we need reminded that there's souls in danger people need the Lord